Aloha and welcome. Soul here, your host for this show. I want to thank you for coming back and listening in to all the regular listeners. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We have had a growing family over the past five years. And for those who have been sticking with us over the years, in gratitude, I bow each time you come and join our show. For those who are new to our show, welcome aboard. Pay Radio is designed to help you learn, laugh, and grow with ease and grace. To help with that learning, laughing, and growing, I have a variety of team captains. In this segment, you get to meet two of my most current team captains, Marcia Sortino and Christina Irvin. We're going to dive right into an interview where I ask them to be blunt about what it's like working for Seoul University and working with me. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, as we get to talk to a couple of team captains, I have given them permission to cut loose. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> What's it really like working with Saul? What's it like being a teacher of Pay Me What I'm Worth? That in mind, we have our primary team captain, Christina Irvin. She is the team captain for Team Clarity. Part of Team Clarity includes another team captain, Marcia Sortino. Marcia is the team captain for Team Seekers. Ladies, thank you for taking the time to cut loose. You're welcome. Thanks for asking. So, cut loose. <laughs> Let's get it going. <laughs> What's it like working for Seoul University? Listen, I would say the first things first be, I could probably describe it as arrogance that I had coming into it, feeling like it was all my responsibility to make sure that everyone on, on Team Clarity got everything that they could get out of this. And I had to, what would really amount to a description of busy work, to make sure that the control and make sure that everybody did their task, a taskmaster. I think that was the very first lesson that I got once we got started. But what I've later learned is that, in fact, that sort of controlling uh, tendency. It was something that I had throughout my life in different areas of my life, and I justified it as a way of making sure things got done. Literally, it really wasn't on so many levels. So I, I think that's my first lesson coming into the process. Am I hearing you correctly, Christina? What you thought was being of service, meaning being the cheerleader, ringing the bell, rah rahing, getting everybody on board, make sure everybody's experiences is uh, they get absolutely everything they can get out of it that was your operational manual at the time that you started you began to realize that by doing that you're changing the way they learn in a way that is not productive absolutely okay cool marcia <laughs> I was going to say, you said to cut loose, so I'm going to cut loose right now. When I first started this, I really had no inkling of what I got myself into. And I'm going to say, there's a lot of work that I've been doing on myself, and I'm going to describe it as blissful chaos at times. <laughs> because... <laughs> I find myself just doing more than just thinking. And I never was like that before. And because I'm doing more, doing things, actually doing things without having to 
think through everything. It's like there's not enough time in the day because, gosh, now I have to answer these people's chats and start doing things. And before you know it, there's all this activity happening. And I'm like, okay, here's where my chaos is. I don't have enough time in the day for everything that I started. (laughs) It's blissful to know that there's activity really taking place. Whereas before, I was just in the standstill. So I know that Pay Me What I'm Worth is a class where I guess the integration that I'm feeling and the understanding and clarity that I'm receiving of the process that I'm going through, i got to say that's blissful. Even if it feels chaotic at times, it's blissful. Marcia, what I'm hearing you say is you had no idea you were going to get put in a washer and put on the spin cycle within a short amount of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> That's exactly right. What is it bringing out for you two as you are both a teacher and a student at the same time? What are some of the brick walls you macked into because all of a sudden – you're now placed in a role where not only are you expected to teach it, you're expected to implement it through learning. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say there have been times when I've thought, especially early on where I thought, we live in a culture and an environment where critical thinking and applied thinking, we rarely get the critical thinking. And the applied thinking really is a controlled, somebody tells you what to do and, and so you do it, right? But it's not always my own thought process. That's what I've learned about myself, right? So having to be a teacher and a student at the same time has forced me to get more comfortable with the notion of looking through different pairs of glass. So have you ever tried on someone else's glasses or someone else's glasses and you're like, whoa, you're blind. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how are you seeing anything out of these things, right? And then you try on another pair, and you're like, oh, these are cute on me, and I can see, and blah, blah, Well, that it's been that kind of feeling for me, because looking at the lesson from a teaching perspective has been a blessing, because not only did I come into it with, okay, I paid for this class, so I'm committing to doing this, but being a teacher has forced me to go deeper, even in times when I haven't felt the need to go deeper. So it's been that putting on that pair of glasses where I've been like, whoa, you can't see. Being a teacher has often made me go and put on that pair of glasses. But being a student sometimes has been, oh, it's a little blurry for the second, but my eyes are adjusting and, oh, these are cute on me. And I didn't go always go as deep from the student perspective. But because I was a teacher too, I found that I forced myself to go a little deeper. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. I really didn't differentiate the difference between uh, starting as a student and starting as a teacher. What I noticed, though, is as I'm teaching, I'm tuning in to my students and feeling more about my students. I'm recognizing things that about my students. Because when I first started in as a student, I actually dove in and said, oh, hell, you know what? Why hold back anything? Let's just get real here. I took that same feeling into my class where I'm teaching. But 
when I'm teaching my students, I'm actually feeling more about them. Like the intuition is starting to kick in that I need to have. Because as a student, I'm not really kicking in with my intuition. I'm just diving in. As a teacher, I'm actually listening for more clues. How can I help my students? And I think that was the big difference for me. Wouldn't you say you I was shocked that there would be times where souls like, you don't have to worry about preparing for this or whatever, whatever. Like, you'll know what to say when it's time to say something. Uh-huh. And I was like, whatever. I don't understand what in the hell I read. What do you mean I'll know what to say? I don't even understand what I read. But listening to the rest of the team certainly does evoke an understanding. And there are points where you realize it doesn't even have to be that I say something profound here. Maybe I just shine a light on the profound thing that my teammate just said. (laughs) And I've also noticed, too, that as I'm listening, I'm recognizing some things about myself that were blind spots. I'm like, wow, that's an aha moment right there for me. Because somebody else's perspective opened up that part of the screen that I hadn't seen. So it's really a win-win situation to be both a student and a teacher. Sometimes you can't even describe it, but I definitely feel the difference between being a student and a teacher. And I'm so glad that as a student, I just decided, oh, well, you know, let loose and let's just dive in. Let's be real. Uh, let's, can we talk story? And that really helped me because I'm sure that when a, people just start a new class and they're not really familiar with everybody in the class, it's kind of scary to dive in and really tell your story. That's where the practice comes in, and it's, it's a good practice because then it really helps me as a teacher. Bring up an interesting aspect here because more often than not, when people hear me say to them point blank, you can teach, pay me what I'm worth without having ever read the book. You can teach, pay me what I'm worth as you read the book. And it's going to be a different way of teaching it every time you teach it. Therefore, why not just teach it? I've been teaching for 10 years now. I'm confident in saying I cannot recall one cookie-cutter, copy-paste class that have I have experienced. Every single class over the last 10 years has been unique and different and amazing, and different things pop up every single time. And that's why I tell people, you can prepare all you want. You can read the book. You can do all the exercises. You can take the next 15 years and get yourself prepared to teach, pay me what I'm worth. But like frying an egg, <laughs> so you crack the shell and let the egg hit the pan, you ain't going to have any idea what it's like teaching. <laughs> well, I have to say this is a really enjoyable way of learning and teaching because I never realized that this was experiential, an experiential way of learning material and and then turning around and teaching it until I heard my students say that, okay? Every other type of program that I've ever been in, it's never been an experiential type of learning or teaching. It's just been the coach says this and this is how it is. Exactly. And it's so different here. It's refreshing. Because as I'm doing it, I'm experiencing all those changes that we are learning about in the book. I might not realize it at first, but I'm feeling it. 
So it's different. Well, I think it comes down to that whole thing of the notion that teaching thing, I'm going to show you the right and the wrong of whatever the topic is. And then you're going to stop doing the wrong and start doing the right as I see it, right? Right. But that's not at all how it is, and that's not at all. Because at the core of what we're working on here, it's about learning to be fully present in the moment, trusting in ourselves, and compassionate with ourselves. There's no right or wrong to that because it's going to be different for everybody. Heck, it's going to be different for you, for me, depending upon the moment, depending upon the circumstances that we're dealing with in the moment, depending upon how we're feeling physically, emotionally, spiritually. There are too many variables for there to be a right or a wrong. It's all about our being authentic. And one's authenticity is one's authenticity. Who are you to judge my authenticity? Exactly. As we're going through these experiences that we're having in our class situations, it's bringing out our authenticity because we are learning so much more than just if I were a regular coach coaching somebody and telling them this is how it is. It's completely different because here I'm feeling more than if I were in another program where I'm being told. I'm not actually feeling what I'm being told. Well, let me ask you, though, Marcia, that that brings up a good point and a question that I would have, I know I've had for myself. I was never in the role of a student and not being a teacher, right? I came into this being both. I would think that being a teacher has sharpened me more being willing to step into that place. For me, observing you, your voice seems to have gotten stronger as you've stepped into the teacher role. Am I correct, or is that just something that I just didn't start to notice until now? <laughs> I, I believe you're correct. I believe I'm feeling so much more empowered that that's, it's, it's reflected in, in how I speak and what I say and how I'm feeling because I want to feel strong. So, therefore, I'm going to speak strong. When I'm teaching my class, there are certain people in my class I notice things that I probably need to say to them in a way where they will understand. And just like Soul told us, we have to talk. We have to let them know what we see, yet we have to do it in such a way where we still leave them empowered and not judging them. So Mm -hmm. that's been a skill to learn. It's so easy for me to just be direct and straight to the point. And they may, they may not like it. So I've had to learn a little skillful tactfulness. So it's Which brings a, up an interesting question. When uh, have you felt judged by me? I've never felt judged by you, Sol, ever. And I think that it has been so refreshing to know that the person that I am learning from holds no judgment of any part of my life and who I am today. We keep it real on this conversation, right? (laughs) What I have learned from the process, 
because I, I do think as a teacher, I've been blessed to have a little bit more exposure to your expertise and your knowledge that I probably wouldn't have gotten as being a student, and that's because you're also helping to sharpen me as a teacher after having me having expressed my desire to continue being a teacher. The judgment that I have felt, I didn't care in the moment whether you were or weren't judging me. Like, I wasn't saying, okay, well, he's judging me, and so I'm going to fall a piece or whatever, because I so learned through what we've been learning in this course, whether I was right or wrong, whether you were right or wrong, really didn't matter. So I was very fine with taking what I felt I needed to take out of it. And you were very good, being a, a mentor and a teacher, of holding the mirror up and saying, okay, I just need you to know, for me to be consistent with my word, I can't let this go without showing you that this is, in fact, what you're saying and doing. But you were very good about allowing me the space to step into that and say, okay, yeah, it is true. I'm not being equal to my deed or I'm not being equal to my word here. And call a thing a thing and let's keep it pushing. And so I appreciate that because it allowed me the space to grow. There's okay. probably things that you had to say, and you did say them. It wasn't until I really understood that, hey, everybody has choice. But the whole point is what do I want to take from it and what do I want to own? What part of that do I want to own? So you've allowed yeah. me to grow exponentially through the whole process. I wouldn't want anybody to have the notion that they're going to get through, like, the, oh, this is just rosy or whatever, because there have been points where you have totally pissed me the hell off. And literally, <laughs> no, no, no joke, no shade. Like, literally, you have pissed me off so much. I was like, he just don't know who he's talking to right now. He just don't know. If I was in a different headspace, I'd have cussed him the hell out. But <laughs> literally, then I immediately, I'm, again, because of what we've learned in this course, I've immediately been able to go into that, you know what, that doesn't even matter. Like, it is what it is. Let me deal with what I need to deal with and the rest of that, boo on it. Like, I don't even care. And it's not that I don't care in the, as far as I don't want to present myself in the best way. It's that I don't care to pile unnecessary crap on my head that I don't need to pile on my head. Are there times that I scare each of you that I really do know what you're going through? <laughs> yes. I'm like, he's reading well, yeah. my mind. <laughs> One of the, my common slogans is, get the hell out of my head, so. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Have you found as teachers, as you become more empathic, as you become better listeners, you get into your students' heads in ways that make them wake up faster? I do think that. I do believe that. I also have my students that I'm wondering where they are. It's like they're out in left field, I think. <laughs> That's where I have to kind of get them back on track a little bit. It's not always an easy job to do. I got to say, I have to learn more skills with that, and I recognize that. But as I 
keep going through my classes and I'm hearing perspectives from everybody, it's really helping me to keen in or tune in or actually sharpen my skill with it. I would say that, Marsha, your team is heck of a lot different dynamic than I've had to experience. Uh-huh. <laughs> I would say that your team might even be sharpening you in a way that I've not been sharpened just because of the sheer different levels of personalities that you have on your team. While Team Clarity is quite a different personalities, and there's certainly been some honing of my skills to balance that out and learn patience and grace and everything, I have to say that that empathic thing, it certainly does grow. Yeah. Sometimes you just know in a moment, you're like, hmm, let me just send a quick Facebook message. Or, or even sometimes I've even learned that I don't always have to do something like an actual physical do something, but maybe energetically I just let someone know, I feel you, I'm, I'm, I got you, you're, you're good, you're okay kind of thing. Right. And that discernment I think is, is certainly a growing skill that is invaluable, but you can't measure that. And I know that this experience has certainly made that better for me. It's carried through in my personal life, in my business as well. Sweet. Are you beginning to sense that delicate, delicate balance between being the teacher such that the mirror is held up in a way that you can look at it without going, ah! and being the teacher such that you are fundamentally aware that the rewiring that's happening is so delicate, it's not firmed up yet, that if I were to use something as a teachable moment too soon, the old wiring would snap back into place even stronger. Yeah. Yeah, funny you should say that because I was literally, why would, before you said that, I was thinking as a student, I've tried to observe you without, because I wanted to learn too, so I've tried to observe you. And that is, it's very delicate. And sometimes you you make a call. Sometimes I, I make a call and I'm thinking, yeah, and so though that wasn't the right moment, right? And I agree, it's it's a very delicate thing. It is a very delicate experience. And I do think, hindsight being 2020, we go back to day one again. Would I enter into this as a student and not a teacher? Would I choose that? No. I do think being a teacher as well has sharpened that for me. I think in a lot of ways it's actually cut my learning curve. Bingo. Bingo. So for those listening to this, as you ponder the notion, do I want to be a student or do I want to be a teacher? Do I want to be a passenger in the car or do I want to be the driver? What I'm hearing you say, Christina, you decided that being a driver will help you become a better passenger simultaneously. Absolutely, yeah. It's tricky. We're taught as a society, first you learn it, then you teach it. Is that an accurate reflection of how you've learned? Yes. I snap back to the very first moment of life. Remember how I talk at the very beginning of the book? There's a skill that we do that we're not taught, that we just wake up. And if we didn't wake up that skill in the very first moments of our being birthed, we'd die. What's that skill? Breathing. Mm-hmm. Did you go to a 12-week seminar on how to breathe before you breathed? 
Was there some guru that you had to sit and meditate with? Who? Okay, now here we go. We're going to take a breath in. No. Most likely the doctor slapped you on your ass to shock you enough to take in your first breath, and you did. <laughs> in many ways, I'm asking you, okay, I may not necessarily slap you on the ass, but it could feel like it. <laughs> Time to time. <laughs> well, you've been very generous in your compliments. Come on, criticism. What is it about my style of teaching you to be teachers that you would like to see changed? There's a lot of work, <laughs> a huge workload, not only online but offline. And honestly, I think this kind of a class needs a year and a half <laughs> just to accomplish everything. Especially if you want to become certified, I'm thinking if I were to teach my class and expect my students to get all this done, especially if they're working, (laughs) I might have some complaints about the workload. That might be something that I would look at and say, hmm, maybe we need to have it a little bit longer then. So is the question about you personally, Sol, or about the process in general? Either got a response that I could speak to both, like, because I think Marsha's answer was a little different. So to speak to Marsha's answer really quickly, as a person who is working a full-time stressful corporate job, building multiple income streams in my own personal business, I can definitely say that I would still choose to be a teacher from day one, and I would still do agree with Marsha that sometimes it can feel overwhelming. But... I then have to go back and say that we handled this in the ground rules of establishing a zone where, for the first time, I put myself first and I scheduled time for me. I will say that I've not always been equal to my commitment to giving myself time first. There have been times throughout this process that I've slipped back into the, I got to get this done, I got to get that done, I got to get this done. And by the time I think about my time, it's 1.30 in the morning. I'm exhausted emotionally, physically, and mentally, and spiritually, and I have no more bandwidth <laughs> to give to myself. And then in that moment, I'm like, oh, Chris, you know, Christina, you were supposed to set yourself as the priority first. So, again, the ground rules establish handling that time factor, and I just haven't always done what I should have done. And I think if someone who's considering that does decide, okay, how much time can I give myself? And they stick to that without any wiggle room. They give themselves that. First of all, it it will become habit and, and it won't be as bad. But second of all, they'll probably feel a little less overwhelmed. Or thirdly, maybe they'll have to figure out other areas where they make adjustments in their life. Maybe they're spending a little bit too much time on social media or playing around, not doing anything when they could do something or something like that, right? To speak to you personally, Soul, wow. Like, what would I change? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, Soul, I literally, you and I have had this discussion because from day one, we've kept it real with each other, right? And so I don't mind keeping it funky. I've expressed to you, and, and I stand by you personally, sometimes I find to be quite passive aggressive. And so takes that one is to a, one, takes one to now one. It's not <laughs> literally. And that is a skill, literally like that is something that I have 
it's very distasteful for me in those moments. It feels uncomfortable. But I also recognize that I certainly have a propensity to be passive-aggressive too. So it's made me more conscious of that thing in myself. I've been told I'm a wicked mirror. (laughs) That I am not the mirror you ask, mirror, mirror on the wall. You don't ask me questions you don't want the answers to. (laughs) (laughs) Which brings up what I want to clarify is, at what point in time have I told you answers? Never. Really? <laughs> Sometimes I'm just like, will you just give me, what is the hell, you're, you're always, where am I going with this, ladies? And we're like, I don't know, where the hell are you going with this? <laughs> I'm like, oh, my brain, please. <laughs> yeah. So it's a sweet and sour sort of thing, because again, culturally, societally, we are taught that when we give or ask a question, we are to receive an answer. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And when we do not get an answer, when we are challenged further, we possibly question the question. Now the workload goes back onto myself. Meaning if I ask you a question and I'm not getting an answer, which is a very passive-aggressive way of learning, spoon-feeding Here's the question, here's the answer, here's the question, here's the answer, here's the question, here's the answer. Now we're going to test you. Do you remember all the answers that I gave you? And if you can remember all the answers that I gave you, then in my mind, you have learned what I am supposed to teach you, right? Right. Does that method apply to our journey at all? No. I'm on my own journey here. It has to be through my understanding. It has to be through my experience. It has to be through my rewiring of my brain with everything that I'm learning, absorbing, or else it's not something I can own. What I do like about the process is, in fact, it's not monkey seed, monkey do. (laughs) Uh, I don't know any other teams other than Team Clarity and Team Seekers. And I will say there are some crazy strong personalities. <laughs> the, all of these, these teams are just crazy strong personalities. And ain't none of them quit to just sit and listen and take a bunch of crap. If we're not feeling it, we will challenge back. But I have appreciated that you welcome that. And, and in fact, that was a, a lesson of one of the chapters is, is you're the mirror. You have to mirror that your mentor or your teacher. And sometimes throwing that mirror back, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's a right or wrong again. But it's like, hey, I'm not feeling you on this. But there's that opportunity to have the back and forth discussion to go deeper. And that's where the learning is, is going deeper. Yes. Much like a guitarist plucks a string on the guitar or a pianist strikes a key that strikes a chord that creates a sound. Mirroring back is plucking the string. Whether you like what you hear is completely up to you. But the chord has been struck. And sometimes I strike a little too deep too fast, and I am aware of that. It is a constant balancing act that should I decide to do what I call surgery, the only way that I know that I can successfully do surgery is to say to you, Marsha, 
Christina, do I have your permission to do some surgery? Yes. And then you must feel into that question because you know that if you say yes, it might sting. It might bring up something that you really honestly, and this particular second might not be ready for, but two seconds from now, you will be ready for. Ain't no mic to it. It's going to sting. <laughs> and and right. you'll likely be pissed off it so for two point five seconds. <laughs> yeah, oh, totally. And then at that point, I'm like, yes, she got it. She's pissed off. All right. I find myself uncomfortable with sycophants. If I have students who are, con- oh yes, soul. Oh yes, soul. Oh yes. Oh please, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> oh. There are some cultures I cannot teach because I know the culture ingrains into their society that a student will never, ever question a teacher in a way that would cause the teacher any inkling of offense. Well, in my mind, that stifles the ability to learn and grow. Especially publicly, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. (laughs) All right. Let's shift the spotlight to more of the content, the process, when you stop and think of what Soul University has provided to you in the form of tools, resources, implementation of time and resources for you to do what you need to do to be a teacher, are there other programs that you're familiar with that offer the same or similar tools and support? For example, let's get concrete. What other resource puts a landing page together for you, creates a merchant account for you that you can collect your payments what other programs have you experienced create a virtual classroom plug-and-play for you so that you as a teacher has the necessary tools to interact with your students 24-7, 365? I will say that I've been in different programs that have provided a lot of tools. I don't know that I've been in another program that has provided all of the tools at the level. One of the biggest tools that you provide at Seoul University is literally the library of content to refer to. In the beginning, all that anxiety that I had, had I just literally turned to the existing content, I would have felt a much less anxiety because it's already been out there. And for anybody who's coming after us that is listening right now, Understand you have a library of text content, blog posts and stuff, uh, classes and courses that you've created, audio recordings, blog talk radio recordings, where you can literally listen to all of this content. You can dive into all of this content. Uh, Be careful (laughs) because you will find yourself in a rabbit hole, but understand that it's already out there. (laughs) I think Christina said it very well. All tools that are provided for me and my students and anybody else's classes that are going on in Seoul University. If I had to make a capture page, you can forget it. (laughs) If I had to figure out how to put myself on blog talk radio, it's not going to happen, but it just seems to happen when we get into class because we are more and than willing to express ourselves and become unique and do it in such a way. And and I'm so thankful that I can do it in such a way where I have all these tools and I can share myself with everybody out there. 
I will say another thing told that, that I feel about Toll University is literally the access. I've been in a lot of different programs and stuff, and, and some that cost a heck of a lot of money. The access feel very finite. And I find with you that, that the level of access to you, which probably understandably will be less and less as you grow in you know endeavors with growing a caregiver lifeline and everything. I will say, though, the level of access to you has been is is just amazing, and that's whether it be personal one on one time on the phone or Skype or, but even being able to go out to Seoul University and dig into the content is clearly that's you. I haven't felt like oh there's some minion somewhere that I don't know where basically coming up with all this stuff and putting it out there. I know that's your content, and in much of Seoul University. It's literally your voice that we're hearing and recording and stuff, so we know it's you. The goal of Seoul University is replication. The goal of Seoul University is to have millions of teachers in every possible language teaching classes from sunset to sunrise and from sunrise to sunset. I physically cannot do that. I have no desire to do that. What I have a desire is to recognize that Christina Irvin is going to reach a demographic, an audience I will never reach. Marcia Sertino will reach a demographic, a group of people, an inroad to a way of consciousness that I will never reach. And I say never because even if I did have a sex change operation, I still... And that's really the goal of my desire to provide you the necessary tools for you to step into your power and potential. And once you do, just remember this bald-headed monk as your limousine drives by and try not to splash him. (laughs) I appreciate your candor. And we're creating this recording because I have a goal. By the end of December 2016 to literally have 10,000 certified instructors. And it all begins with one person thinking of six people that they want to grow with and go on this pay-me-what-I'm-worth journey. So I'll conclude our time together with, I ask you to think of six people. Who do you have in your life that you want to grow with, grow a deep, loving, caring relationship with that will last your lifetime? Who are those six people? Ask them to take this journey with you, and you might be lucky enough to have Marsha or Christina as your teacher. Hi, what do you got to say, teachers? (laughs) All I can say is I am so looking forward to 2016, and I do have six people that I would love to take on this journey with me. So I'm ready and willing to continue this journey in 2016. It's been so exciting. It's been like I've been in a whole different world from where I have been before. So anybody who wants to come on this journey is going to be super amazed at how (laughs) wisdom, how we conduct classes and how real we get. And I love that about this class is we can get real with each other and it's okay. And you can get real without the scars. Exactly. 
I would say if you are listening to my voice right now, just in this moment, understand it's me and you. And I'm keeping it real because that's me. I'm that keep it real kind of chick. There are those moments that during the day that you're daydreaming, thinking, wondering, hoping, and wishing that things were different. You're sick and tired of being sick and tired. There's that time at night where you're trying to figure out how you can wash your face and brush your teeth without even looking in the mirror because you can't stand looking at yourself because you know that you're about to enter into another year or you may be into another year and you're still asking yourself how you're dealing with the same shit that you've been dealing with for the previous five years. There's probably that moment throughout the day or throughout the month where your kid is looking at you, your spouse is looking at you, your cousin, brother, uncle, best friend, someone is looking at you for some kind of guidance because they themselves are feeling exactly what you've been feeling. That lie that you've been telling yourself and that reality that you've been running from from yourself. And they're looking at you for the guidance to make that change in themselves because they are sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm just saying to you right now, if that's you, you're hearing my voice. The place to start is absolutely with you, and you can't start with you where you are. You've got to have a shift. And the only way you can get that shift is to get some awareness. And I would say that this program, this this process of Pay Me What I'm Worth, provides you the security, and it provides you the necessary tools to actually make that shift and then step into being able to help others make that shift in themselves. Well said, And get paid to do it. <laughs> to, to do it. <laughs> and and really feel your worth and be in that balance of giving and receiving because I know for me that's what was missing. The balance I needed to understand my worth and that I can be in that flow of giving and receiving and that has been one of the major breakthroughs that I've received here is understanding how to honor my worth and the worth of other people. Mm-hmm. Ladies in gratitude, I bow to you both. I'm so appreciative of what you're unveiling in yourselves. And ladies, gentlemen, listening in, both Marsha and Christina are starting classes in 2016 throughout the year. They begin new classes. You like what you're hearing. The way to contact them is just directly below here in the show notes. Ladies, thanks again. Thank, Thank you, Saul. Thank you, Marsha. Thank you, Christina, and thank you, Saul. And I wish to thank you for taking the last 41 minutes to be with us to listen to some frank observations from Christina Irvin and Marcia Sortino, two of our Pay Me What I'm Worth team captains with classes currently running here out on Pay Radio. I encourage you to visit all of our on-demand classes to get a really good sense of what classes are like, both as a teacher and as a student. For those of you interested in becoming either a teacher or student, there's links here below the show in the notes that you can click on, and I'll warn you, there's a lot of information there. If you'd like to simplify the process, you're welcome to contact me directly. 312-268-0000. Again, 312-268-ALLZEROS. For those outside of the United States, I'm also on Skype. I would love to chat with you via Skype. 
My Skype ID is Soul Dancer and then the number zero. So S-O-U-L-D-A-N-C-E-R zero. Drop me a call. Love to meet you. Happy New Year.